Ultimate College Football Preview 2022. Presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Ohio State or Boston. I think Wayne Pippen's the next former safe assistant to break through and beat Alabama. I think defense wins you championships and Alabama has the best defense. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate College Football Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. This seven-episode series will take you through all of the Power Five conferences, the national championship conversation, and the players you need to know across the Heisman and NFL Draft landscape. Each episode will feature our locked-on local experts who cover each of the biggest teams around college football every single Monday through Friday. We'll also be joined by betting expert Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets to help you set the edge and rake in the cash this college football season. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, daily host of the Locked On Auburn podcast. But for this series, I will be your guide as we visit with over 30 different experts to get you ready for the season ahead. Today, we're wrapping up this seven-episode series with the College Football National Championship picture. Which teams from each conference are the favorites and which are the dark horses? While Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia may feel like locks, Clemson, Miami, and Auburn just kidding, are waiting in the wings. But our conference experts are about to take center stage as we discuss the national championship favorites. National championship contenders. And joining us now, Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC, Nate Dickinson of Locked On Big Ten, Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12, and Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Pac-12. Let's start with the conference that we think uh, is most likely to produce a national champion. The SEC, Chris Gordy, how many realistic favorites are in this conference and potential national champion contenders? Yeah, well, let's start with, obviously, the two teams that just played for the championship. It's Alabama and Georgia. They're the right. perennial favorites. Uh, Alabama, for certain reasons. I, I think Alabama, the Crimson Tide, are in the best spot to win the national championship. they got the best offensive and defensive players in the country. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, linebacker Will Anderson, who could win the Heisman this year. They upgraded at running back with Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. They upgraded at corner with Eli Ricks from LSU. And, of course, they've locked up their legendary head coach, Nick Saban, for an even longer extended contract, making him the highest paid coach once again. So Alabama's right there. And then, of course, the reigning champs, Georgia, who did knock them off. They bring back Stetson Bennett, who was the hero of the national championship game. I think they, they've got the best uh, tight end group in the entire country. Defense loses a lot, but uh, it, they're going to be like Alabama. You rebuild, you reload, you don't rebuild. That's what Georgia's going to be this year. So Georgia and Bama, the perennial favorites, they're probably going to be there once again. And then obviously Nate Dickinson, host of Locked on Big Ten. Ohio State, clearly a factor in the national championship picture. Yeah, I think the most telling picture with this is not just the fact that Ohio State is getting all the preseason accolades thrown at them. We've seen that from the Buckeyes before. Mm-hmm. Ohio State fans themselves think that this is one of the better rosters that Ohio State has put together in recent memory. Uh, the Buckeyes have been college football playoff contenders for the last decade about. But for the people in Columbus to actually be thinking, hey, this is one of the better teams that we've been putting together, especially on the offensive side, I think that's really telling as to just how good this team is. And if they can put things together to be elite on defense too, then they have national title aspirations. I think more so this year, especially close to home, than what we've seen in even more recent years and what they've done. Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Big 12, 
who do you think is the most likely uh, championship <laughs> contender in, in all of this? Is it, is it a Baylor? Is it still Oklahoma? Does somehow Texas pull something off? Where are you with all of this? So I think it should be Oklahoma who should be the favorite because they're scheduled. This is one of those things where it's relative to your, you know, to your circumstance. Oklahoma should be favored in 11 of their 12 games this year. The only one right now that they're not, according to Vegas, is the Texas game. And guess what? It's a toss-up. So, you know, I think when your schedule works out the way it has for OU and the tougher games are like at Nebraska in a Texas game, you know, uh, it's on a neutral site, you feel pretty good. Now, the other side of that is new coach, new coordinators, new quarterback, all that kind of stuff, new talent coming in. But uh, if anybody is to make the playoff out of the Big 12, the first favorite should be Oklahoma, and it should be because of their schedule. Do you think Oklahoma has to go undefeated to make the college football playoff? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, there's a chance that Kansas State could end up being a, you know, a ranked opponent that people value. Baylor obviously should be pretty good. Um, I don't, I'm not going to bank on Nebraska winning more games for, for Oklahoma to be better to, to call yeah. that win really good. Texas, we really don't know. So I think this league is going to be competitive this year and, and there should be some, some pretty good teams in it, but it's going to be a competitive league because we don't know who's good. And that, that means that you're probably not getting the top quality wins at other schools uh, like, you know, Georgia, Alabama can rack up automatically and Ohio state can rack up automatically. You might be depending more on other teams to do well. If you're 11 and one 12 and zero, you should be okay. But 11 and one, you're kind of asking for a bit more from the other teams that you play. Spencer McLaughlin, host of Locked On Pac-12. If you had to pick one team in this conference to be in the national championship, is it USC or is it somebody else? Uh, it, it's Utah. Uh, I don't think USC oh. is going to have the sort of one-year turnaround. You got to remember the Trojans were four and eight in 2021. Have they brought in an enormous amount of talent in the transfer portal? Yes. Do they have a new coach who's won at, <clears throat> excuse me, a national championship caliber level before, though he hasn't gotten to that game just yet in Lincoln Riley? Yes. Do they have Caleb Williams? Yes. But do they have a roster top to bottom, e even offensively? Uh, when you look at the, the offensive line, I think there's still some questions there, particularly with depth. If you uh, look at the, the people who are covering these teams, specifically... <clears throat> Wow, excuse me, that came out of nowhere. All right, you okay? Uh, yeah, I think so. I hope so. Um, I mean, people don't need to hear that much about the Pac-12 anyway because I don't think they're going to have a team in the national championship <laughs> conversation. So I think Utah's the best team to do it. I think Oregon's the second most likely, but they'd have to beat Georgia to really do that and catapult themselves into that conversation. Sure, an 11-1 and one where you beat Utah and lose to Georgia would put them in that category, but I don't see Oregon doing that. I think Utah is, is poised to be the team most likely to be in that conversation, but the likelihood of that even happening I think it is decent, right? I could see Utah get in the college football playoff. I think that's their ceiling. But if they got there, I would not see them uh, knocking off whoever the, the number one or two seed would, would probably be and getting to the national championship game. So I guess a similar question that I asked Josh about the Big 12 just a moment ago. But if the Pac-12 is to have somebody in those final four teams, does the conference champion need to be undefeated? No, I, I don't think so, because when you look at what Oregon did last year, for instance, they were knocking on the door of getting into the college football playoff and they were nine and one and they lost to what ended up being a dreadful Stanford team. But the reason that they were still in that conversation until they got thrashed twice in three weeks 
by uh, by the Utes of Utah is that they had that win at Ohio State. And I think if Florida can be, you know, a, a bounce back team a little bit, if they can just go eight and four in the SEC and one of those losses being to Utah, I think that that's a team that, that the committee will look at. And if Utah is an 11 and one going into the championship game and they beat an Oregon or a USC or maybe even UCLA, they could sneak in there uh, to the Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas. I think the committee would look at that win and say they went to Florida and, and they rolled through the, the Pac-12 schedule and maybe had you know one loss to uh, maybe it was an upset against like a Washington State who could be uh, sneaky to keep teams out of the conference championship game this year. Maybe it's Oregon. Maybe it's, you know, you never know. Um, I, I think that that would be enough, but there's not a lot of room for error. And if you don't have a big time non-conference win, then, yeah, you have to be undefeated in conference play. Nate, is there any concern when you look at the Big Ten if there is, I mean, is there a world where a Big Ten team doesn't make the Final Four? No, no, I don't think so. It's pretty much a lock, been a lock for a long time. Um, I mean, with what the Big Ten's doing now, it's more about the conversation of like, is it just going to be the one or can we steal that second spot from the SEC in some years? But it's at least right now, if we're talking national title contenders, it's Ohio State or bust, if you're asking me, as far as just what they're able to put on the field. Another team can make the college football playoff. We saw it, but Ohio State's the most talented team, and it's, in my opinion, not closer than it was last year even. Let's now throw it to uh, our fifth conference host, uh, Candace Cooper, locked on ACC. Is it Clemson? Is there a chance anybody else could be, uh, could be a viable candidate for, uh, for the national champion this year? Yeah, I'm hoping that it's Clemson just for the sake and the state of my job in the ACC <laughs> and realignment news. So I'm hoping that we can throw somebody in there. NC State, if you're listening, no. But I do think that Clemson has all of the pieces to be great. It really will depend on DJ's play. I think he, if he can just be like a semi-good game manager, just get us to, he was decent last year, but definitely some pieces we want to leave behind. But if he and Dabo can get on a good page and a new coordinator, I think that, you know, that defense is going to be unstoppable. And the ACC is certainly going to give itself a good conversation going into the next throughout the season and into the next year. Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC. We've seen the SEC put in two teams in those final four a couple of times now. Yeah. What do you think needs to happen looking across the country for that to happen again? And I assume it would be Alabama and Georgia yet again. Yeah, I mean, the perfect scenarios would happen last year where Georgia and Alabama are both undefeated going to the SEC title game. One team wins, hands the other team the first loss. That team ends up being the, the fourth seed. But I will say, you know, for Nate's argument for Ohio State, this happened before. Go back to 2018, 2019. Ohio State was on was left, uh, you know, at the doorstep at 12-1. and one. A lot of people thought deserved to be in, and they were left out that year. So it could happen. Um, I think the scary scenario for the SEC, though, is that Georgia slips up somewhere along the way and Alabama slips up along the way and you have two one-loss teams representing in Atlanta. In that case, the winner of the SEC title game is in. The loser is most likely out having two losses at that at that point. And it's not crazy to think because Alabama played with fire last year. They should have lost the Iron Bowl. They nearly lost the, you know, played a tough game with Florida, played a tough game with LSU. So there were losses to be had. They got lucky. Uh, Georgia, of course, as dominant as they were defensively last year, not going to be as dominant this year. So there's room for a loss with some really good teams in the East, like Tennessee and Kentucky and all that. So I say all that to say, yeah, the SEC's worst case scenario is uh, both teams in Atlanta having one loss already. You're only going to get one team into the playoff. 
Yeah, and then you look at it, and then it's like, okay, well, what happens with the Big Twelve? Does the Big Twelve champion get in, Josh, or or does a does a team like Utah in the Pac-12, Spencer, potentially get in there and kind of screw things up for the SEC? And then Kansas, I mean, Clemson. I think Clemson's a big factor in all of this. Yeah, yeah and our cousin Notre Dame. You know, we we love them adjacent. So like, until they're really ready, you know, it's like a, one of those relationships where our like, cousin future Big Ten team Notre Dame. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know if you know this here, but Jim Phillips has had like a lot of backdoor conversations yes. and he's talking to the higher ups and I mean the higher, higher ups. So like, I'm not Ooh. worried about it. I just want y'all to know that, you know? Um, yeah. So there's that, but in Clemson being one of the top four teams, obviously I think that, you know, what they ha- again, what they have is critical, but more importantly, I think there's some other ACC teams that people are sleeping on. Like we have five in the top 25 for a reason. And if all this, all the stars align, especially from the Atlantic division side, there could be multiple people in the conversation. So I'm just throwing it out there. Sure. No question about it. All right. Just for, for a little fun here. If any, if all of you had to guess, which conference does the national champion come from? Are we unanimous on the SEC here? Or, uh, Nate, do you want to defend your guys in the Big Ten? I think they've got the best argument aside from the SEC, no doubt about it. I mean, second in the AP polls that we've seen coming out. Uh, I mean, when you look at this offense, Zach, you see in just the AP preseason All-American polls, quarterback getting second-team All-American, running back and wide receiver first-team All-American, two offensive linemen getting All-American honors there as well. The offense is absolutely loaded. New defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, going to try and shake things up and make that defense really, really good. I mean, they're second in this poll for a reason. Ohio State, again, as I mentioned, has always been really good. But even just getting to second in that preseason poll is kind of one of those benchmarks that you see as, oh, this is like one of the best that we've seen out there. And I think there's that expectation out of Ohio State, not just college football playoff, not just even getting back to it. Because remember, they weren't there last year. I, I think it is kind of turning into a national title atmosphere just already. Every conference has its favorites, but they each have their dark horses as well. Who are the teams that can upset the status quo this college football season? I'd love to say the Auburn Tigers, but I have a feeling that we will not be saying that. We'll get the input of our conference experts up next as we continue the Ultimate College Football Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. National Championship Dark Horses. We're talking dark horses among all conferences and who could potentially make a surprising run to the college football playoff. Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC, Nate Dickinson, Locked On Big Ten, Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12, Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Pac-12, and Candace Cooper of Locked On ACC. So excluding our conversation that we just had about favorites, let's go a little bit deeper in the conference and peg some potential dark horses to keep an eye on Candace Cooper. We will start with you. We mentioned Clemson. You kind of gave a little bit of a nod to NC State. Who else should we be looking at to potentially make a run for the college football playoff? 
Yeah, I would say, listen, I know it's going to be crazy, but Miami might could do the damn thing. I think Tyler Van Dyke is certainly a quarterback that has been elevated. And I think with Mario, maybe the union, sorry, Spencer, if you're not feeling Mario right there, but I'm thinking that there's going to, they're just going to have maybe the juice and the fire to get going and all the energy is going to be there. So I put them out there. I already talked about NC state. They're bringing back 17 returners. Why not them? Devin Leary's on his Heisman campaign. So I certainly would say put them in the conversation and listen, another former PAC 12 guy, Keaton Slovis can figure it out. Maybe Pittsburgh could be be in that that name when it all when it's all said and done. Crazier things have happened. What, uh, what I would what I can I jump in there real quick on 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 the Mario front. So he gets an unnecessary amount of flack from Oregon fans for being the worst in game coach of all time. I think the arguably stronger criticism, especially depending on how Tyler Shuck does this year for Texas Tech, if he can stay healthy to this point. Mario Cristobal in his four years has struggled to develop a quarterback well. Justin Herbert, when he came out, most Oregon fans were looking at him saying, yeah, that's a top five caliber pick, like maybe even number one overall. But playing with Mario Cristobal and Marcus Arroyo for a couple of years has some people, including a guy I really like in Joel Klatt, saying he wasn't a first round talent and he came into the league and looked like the second coming of John Elway right away. And that appeared to be coaching. If Tyler Shuck stays healthy and succeeds at Texas Tech, Oregon fans will have a side eye of like, what kind of is going on over there? Like, what what is he getting now that he wasn't getting before? Anthony Brown has been at least competent and pushing the ball down the field in the Ravens preseason, and that was non-existent a year ago. So I understand the hype on Tyler Van Dyke, but Mario's record to this point developing quarterbacks has not been there because Shuck was a highly rated four star. He couldn't develop him into a guy who was able to hold on to the job. Anthony Brown had fans booing at Autzen Stadium for the first time I've ever seen in my entire life. And Justin Herbert clearly did not reach his full potential in college as a quarterback. So I would just I would caution you on that one. Well, here's to hoping that an elephant could coach Tyler Van Dyke and he doesn't really need the world's greatest coach and we'll be fine. So I'm, I'm good with it. I'm great. <laughs> Josh Babers, host of Locked On Big yeah. 12. Uh, you mentioned Oklahoma. Who else could make a run at this thing? So Baylor, Baylor's got the preseason hype. A lot of the stuff is narrative driven, right? You got to kind of yeah. have a little bit of juice beforehand. Baylor does. Obviously, the coaching's good. But the problem for them is they're switching quarterbacks and also they've lost their two best defensive players. Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard are both in the NFL now. And so when you make a switch to a quarterback like a Blake Shapin, you're admitting, hey, our offense has to be better. And oftentimes that takes time for a first-time, full-time starting quarterback. So Baylor's got the ability because their offensive and defensive lines are tremendous, both some of the best in the entire country. That that will take some time. The other one, the Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, it's everybody's dark horse because everybody's, everybody's talking about it. So here's the thing. Six players on first team, all Big 12 to start of the season. Uh, I'm not an Adrian Martinez guy. It's hard to be. You know, Nebraska was the best three and nine team of all time last year. I'm not sure if you guys heard this. Uh, and a lot of that was because Adrian Martinez kept fumbling and throwing interceptions in the worst possible times. Well, he's now the quarterback beside Deuce Vaughn, who I think should have been the second team running back. They put him at flex, which was a big cop out. Uh, I think he should have been the second team, you know, the, the second running back listed for AP first team. Um, They've got good wide receivers. They have a first-team all-defensive player in the Big 12 at each level of their defense. This is a team that's really good. If they clear Oklahoma, they can go 4-0 at that point. There's a good chance they go 11-1, and and there's a good chance they can win the Big 12. 
they're a team at 12 and one that could, that could be considered. They don't have the brand name, which is a big problem. They don't have the narrative behind them, which is the problem, but could they be 12 and one? It is conceivable. Spencer McLaughlin, host of Locked On Pac-12. Who are some other Pac-12 teams that can make a run at the uh, the Final Four? UCLA is the team that is kind of left out of the, the conversation of the top three. But I, I actually think if I had to put together my own power rankings, I would have them one slot above USC. Uh, they have something that I, I'm not sure, to my knowledge, has ever existed in the history of college football. They have a fifth-year quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's going for the Bruins this year in in Chip Kelly's system down there in Los Angeles wearing that baby blue for the fifth year. And he came into college extremely raw. He'd mostly played wide receiver in high school, made the switch very late. But Chip Kelly came in, saw that he had a rebuild to work with, wanted to invest in DTR, and he has turned him into a really good quarterback in the Pac-12 who is an explosive, dynamic athlete whose passing has done nothing but improve year after year. If he takes another step forward, he could very easily be a second-team All-Pac-12 performer this year. He comes in as the preseason third-team guy behind uh, Cam Rising and Caleb Williams at Utah and USC, respectively. But I don't think there are a lot of teams in the country, and again, I don't think there's ever been one that can say, yeah, we have the same quarterback for the fifth year in a row. He's got a lot of experience. He still makes a mistake from time to time, but he can push the ball down the field, make explosive plays in the running game. The Bruins know how to run the ball. It's what Chip wants to do first. They've brought in some really good players in the transfer portal. They have a very favorable schedule, so their confidence could be riding high because Michigan bailed on their non-conference game. And so as a result, they've got three cupcakes to start, and then they play Colorado to begin conference play. They should be 4-0 and feeling really good about themselves as they get into the meat of their schedule. Nate Dickinson, host of Locked On Big Ten. Outside of Ohio State, who can make a run? It's Michigan or Michigan State. Of course, the biggest problem being they have to get through Ohio State to make any sort of run and do that. Across the conference, anyone who's going to be good is going to be having, in my opinion, probably just the second-best quarterback in the conference because right now that spot's up for grabs. If you look at just across the league, I mean, you have so many guys returning who I think – also, their schools believe in. I mean, you look at like uh, even in the middle of the conference, uh, Tanner Morgan at Minnesota, maybe not Graham Mertz at Wisconsin, but uh, Spencer Petras at Iowa, Peyton Thorne at Michigan State. If you can figure it out enough to beat the Buckeyes like Michigan did last year, I don't think that the combination of Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy doing whatever Harbaugh did last year is going to be able to beat Ohio State twice. But I also think that Harbaugh is going to keep on doing that, at least at the start of the season, if it keeps working. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see just how good Michigan State's offense is without Kenneth Walker there to kind of anchor things. Dark Horse would be pretty much anybody on the West. Sure. Uh, that side is really going to beat up on each other, I think, throughout the conference schedule. And I was going to say, we wouldn't be doing our job talking about Dark Horses without at least mentioning Nebraska, but Josh took care of it. They got Casey Thompson coming in from Texas. They hope that he can be, as Josh touched on, at least better than Adrian Martinez. And with the experience they have coming back, that's what they're really, really leaning on there. There's a lot of players on that team who have been on the football field for a long time playing Big Ten football. And I think they believe that they can be a dark horse to at least make the Big Ten championship game. And after a 3-9 and season, there is hype around this team that maybe one 
shouldn't be warranted. They got a single AP top 25 preseason vote, which is uh-huh. kind of funny. But it's a, a team that I, I think has some high hopes coming in, and obviously it's do or die for Scott Frost. This would be five straight seasons to start his tenure there without a winning season, without a bowl game. And I don't know if that maybe has ever been done or when the last time it would have been done. A guy getting that long without getting canned. We'll see what ends up happening there. But if you're asking me for a top two, they're both going to be on the East facing off against Ohio State before we even get to the Big Ten title game. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I, I think the only guy who gets to have job security like that without delivering any results uh comparably is Jerry Jones. Uh that's a good point. That's a good point, Spencer. That's a great point. Uh Chris Cordy, host of Locked On SEC. Outside of Alabama and Georgia, um, who can make a shot here in the SEC? Is it Auburn or is it somebody else? Yeah, I mean, just go look at the, the preseason rankings and you'll kind of be able to tell who who the teams are. Obviously, Texas yeah. A&M starting off preseason top 10 in a lot of people's rankings. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky are two teams that a lot of people are thinking in the East could play spoiler because of their quarterbacks. Hendon Hooker at Tennessee and Will Levis at Kentucky both bring a ton of experience. I'm going to spin it this way. I'm going to give you a couple of dates to circle that will determine, you know, who is who is winning the East and who's winning the West and who's competing for uh, you know, a possible playoff spot. October 1st and November 12th. Those are the two dates for Alabama to worry about. Alabama's in Fayetteville playing Arkansas on October 1st. They're in Oxford playing Ole Miss on November 12th. Those are both danger uh, red alert games. Obviously, we know Lane Kiffin last year did the get your popcorn ready and got his ass beat going forward on every fourth down and not do, not getting it done. I think it's different this year. I think the mold has been broken. The Saban assistants have broken through. Jimbo did it last year, and uh, Kirby did it last year beating beating Saban. I think Lane Kiffin's the next former Saban assistant to break through and beat Alabama. The game not to circle is October 8th when A&M goes to Alabama. I don't think A&M's got any shot in the world to win that one. I think uh, Saban owes one for uh, to uh, Jimbo for popping off and coming back at him for uh, the fighting words. But I will say this on A&M. If that's A&M's only loss and it's to Alabama and Alabama runs the table – I think A&M's got a great spot to make a case if Georgia's got two losses and they lose the SEC title game. I think there's a great chance for A&M to say we deserve to be in as an at-large team. Yeah, we didn't win the SEC. Yeah, we we had one loss. But look, you've done it with Alabama. You've put them into the playoff before when they've been in the same scenario. So I think Jimbo needs to start selling himself immediately after that game and say, well, we got the best record, uh, you know, best loss in the country. Lost to number one Alabama. What, what else do you want us to do? That's how Jimbo talks. On the eastern side, games to watch, October 29th, Tennessee is at Georgia. And then November 19th, Kentucky hosts Georgia and Lexington. Two danger spots, obviously, if Georgia finds themselves into a shootout with Kentucky or Tennessee. There's a chance. There's a chance. The Kentucky Wildcats could be in Atlanta. Or, of course, the Tennessee Vols has been a long time, a long, hard road these last five, six, seven years for the Vols. Either of those fan bases could be there. And, again, as we know, if you're playing in the SEC title game, you're playing for a shot in the college football playoff as it has been every year. Will it be Alabama or the field? Which championship hopefuls you should consider betting on this college football season? We're setting the edge with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. Next, as we wrap up the ultimate college football preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Setting the edge with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. Time now to set the edge with Lee Sterling, host of Locked On Bets, talking about 
national championship odds. Lee Sterling, obviously leading the way, Alabama at plus 200. Is that the safest bet right now when you look at all of these elite teams of Alabama plus 200, Ohio State plus 375, Georgia plus 475, Clemson plus 900? Then there's a massive, a massive drop off. You like Alabama plus 200 the most? I, I do because of the coaching staff, the talent on offense, and then the biggest determinant, and, and I say this all the time to people, is defense. Defense wins you championships. Look at Georgia last year. You look in the NFL. Um, why did the Rams win? Defense. Sure. Why did you know Georgia win last year? Defense when they had to come up with stops. So offense sells tickets. You know, it gets you all excited, might get you some NIL money. But um, I think defense wins you championships, and Alabama has the best defense. Uh, 2.7 yards per carry they allowed running the football last year, 57 sacks, which these numbers are unheard of, and they I think they might even be better this year. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much talk throughout this entire series that we've done as we approach the end of it here about quarterbacks. And it seems like consistently everybody thinks Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are in a uh, class of their own. And there's a big drop off here with Ohio State being the second um, team as far as odds to win it all at plus 375. To you, is this a smart bet just because Ohio State's going to be so good? Or do you look at Ohio State and you pair them up against an Alabama or you pair them up against a Georgia and you're like, ah, there's no way. They're going to be a good team. They're probably going to make the playoff, but as far as winning the national championship, I may I may back off a little bit. Well, you have to look ahead to see who the, they would play, you know, in the in the final four. And what we've seen is there's usually a couple teams, two, three, four teams that are just so much better than everyone else. So offensively, I think they can score some on Alabama. Problem is their defense, and you know they could be a little bit better with Jim Knowles. But um, they don't get the same defensive players. You know, if they had Bosa still there or something like that, a couple of those cornerbacks have gone to the NFL. Yeah, you know they have a chance. But uh, both that game would be incredible. Both quarterbacks are so good at if they don't see that receiver right away, they keep their eyes focused on the receivers, and they've got great receivers mm -hmm. uh, to make plays. And both teams are such good running games. Um, I, I though would favor obviously Alabama if they if they were to score off against Ohio State. And I I think those two are considerably better than any other team. Yeah, sure. the The third team as far as odds to win it all, Georgia plus four seventy five. Lee, can they repeat? I mean, it, it seems like they've just lost too much. It seems tough. Yeah, I think their offense will be fine. I think they're going to score a lot, but defense will yeah. take a giant step back, and they'll have to do it different. You know, they got. Three really good tight ends. The receivers are improved. They're going to have to beat teams, you know, 40 to, to 30 in some high-scoring games against the better teams. And I don't know if they can do it. I don't know if their quarterbacking is good enough. They got away with it last year. Right. Um, but I don't think you can do it two years ago. And also, once you've won it, that 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 extra effort, that when you work out, uh, I've been around those teams. I've seen how tough it is. So I've been – Involved, my dad was a team dentist for the Miami program, and I saw even after a couple of years when they were great, they uh, you know they lose a game somewhere along the line, and and I think it's going to be tough for Georgia to, as we all know, beat Alabama in the championship game. 
So Clemson is fourth in regards to odds to win the national championship, according to Ben Online, plus 900. This is a similar one to me with Clemson. Like I could see their path to the final four, right? To, to make the playoff, but I just don't see them being the best team in college football. I could see them running through the ACC that we've kind of touched on earlier in the series, but yeah. as far as winning at all, Lee, I'm, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my brain around how that could happen. It's not, not just look at, if you pop in the film and look at them from last year compared to the years they won the national title, totally different teams. And I don't think they can elevate themselves that quickly. They had elite receivers, they had elite running backs. They had yeah. a quarterback, uh, couple quarterbacks when they won, they're just so much better than they have now. So I think it's tiers. It's like when you, you know, you draft in fantasy football, you know, when you, you have that first round, those first three or four running backs, well, Alabama and Ohio state are here. Then there's Georgia. Then there's another big drop before the rest of them. And I think Clemson is just the best of the rest. And as far as odds, that big drop happens after Clemson. Clemson being plus 900, and then USC plus 2,000, A&M plus 2,500, Texas 3,300, Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, all plus 4,000. If you're talking about value, if you want somebody in this range, Lee, which of those kind of excites you the most? Maybe USC because, you know, when, when a lot is expected of Utah, and I think they're improved, Utah, they usually fall flat. Winningham's great as an underdog coach. Sure. He caught he caught Oregon. Trust me, I know what was going on behind the scenes. Oregon was not preparing for either game. Mario Cristobal had already checked out before either game. Uh, and then when they played Ohio State, Ohio State had nothing to play for. We've seen it many times before. Yeah. We've seen Alabama lose in bowl games when they had nothing to play for. Uh, Ohio State had nothing to play for, and they sat a lot of players. So people will remember what they saw last, and what they saw last was great with Utah, but I think uh, USC's offense and their skill level and their coaching staff, I, I think that they have a path to get to the Final Four. And if you got a path to get to the Final Four, anything can happen. Right. What do you think about these um, these kind of props that you can have? Um, Bet Online does this. Alabama or any other team, you can vote on any other team to be in minus 300 or Alabama at plus 200. Georgia, similar. Georgia, plus 475. Any other team, minus 875. Then Ohio State, you can get a plus 350 or any other team, minus 600. Do you ever play in any of these? Do you ever think that that's a worthy bet for you? Well, if if you like one of those teams, yeah, then you can play it like, like in Alabama or if you think that one of those teams is not one of those elite teams. And and I think Alabama is so much better than Ohio State, maybe Georgia, that you go against, you know, in those you go against Ohio State and 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 also Georgia in those prop bets. So I think they're interesting and I think there's there's a way to make money with them. Yeah. And then this is an interesting one, and I'd love to know how you would play this. Alabama slash Georgia slash Ohio State or any other team. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, I think we're all going with with one of those three teams winning it. Right. But yeah, um, it's just it, it, we just you know, hey, you root for the Cincinnati's last year. You root for the underdogs. Um, you know, everyone except for if you're an Alabama fan will be rooting for Texas A&M to knock off Alabama again. I just don't see it happening this year. Now, I think in the next two years, 
some teams are going to get back up there. I think Miami has a chance yeah. maybe two years from now. I think A&M maybe a year from now, maybe Oklahoma, maybe USC. But this year, uh, I, I think you go with you go with the favorites. Yeah. I mean, is there anything enticing about like a Baylor at plus 1500, a team that's consistently won? They're not really a championship contender, but they've consistently won or like Ole Miss coming off of, you know, a 10 win season, one of the best seasons they've ever had. A lot of people are very high on them or like an Oregon, you know, Oregon has a lot of high expectations with, you know, if Bo Nix can put it all together out there. Any kind of team that you're willing to say, ah, eh, Maybe because the odds are just so good. Is there anything like that that you're considering? It's tough. No, I, I really don't think so because, you know, those teams are limited. Um, I, right. I like them in certain situations. You know, I, I like the Oregon Ducks when they're an underdog. I think they're going to be a good underdog play this year. I like Miami. I think Miami's going to go into either Texas A&M or Clemson and win. That's Mario Cristobal. That's his mentality. So I'd rather save it for just individual games. Understood. Understood. Yep. Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. Thank you for joining us for the Ultimate College Football Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. We hope that you've enjoyed this seven-episode series taking you through each Power 5 conference, the players you need to know, and the national championship picture. If this was the first episode you enjoyed, be sure to check out the rest of the series to get all the in-depth insight from your locked-on local experts. And if you're listening via the Ultimate College Football Preview feed, be sure to stay locked in for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, premiering August 31st. You can also find the NFL preview on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Once again, I'm Zach Blackerby, and until next time, thank you to our friends at Odyssey, and thank you for listening or watching. Find the Ultimate College Football Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast provider to make sure you don't miss an episode.